What does Australia's next generation of young leaders have to say about the future of India-Australia relations in a post-COVID world? And how do Indian scholars, scientists, practitioners and students factor in? You're listening to Shared Visions, the podcast that spotlights the Australian government's new Colombo plan and gets to the heart of these questions. Today, we speak with Emily Orman, a student of law and human geography at the University of Wollongong, and Chetan Rao, a research fellow in wildlife biology at the Indian Institute of Science. I'm currently a student. Uh, I'm entering my final year of studies. Who knows? I seem to keep going back for more. Um, I got involved with the program in India through my human geography class. Uh, It was a fieldwork intensive. Um, I forget what it was marketed as other than the fieldwork intensity of getting to uh, work with people in India involved in conservation and understanding their modes of conservation, I suppose. Hi, my name is Chetan. I work as a program officer with Dakshin Foundation. Um, and I supervise and coordinate projects which are basically ecology projects of uh, sea turtles and sea snakes along different parts of the coast. And uh, I'm a graduate in wildlife science. So my interactions with this program began when I was one of the facilitators uh, for the group that Emily was part of. And uh, this was two years ago. Two years ago? Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two years ago. Wow. So, yeah. That was the. Wow. Uh, that's how I was associated with the program. Got it. So, so Emily, you were at the Agumbe Rainforest Research Station, correct? Yeah. And and Chetan, you were you were working at this research station. Yeah. So uh, we, I, I work with Dakshin then, okay. and uh, I was uh, Dakshin Foundation. That's okay. the organization based in Bangalore. Mostly yeah. does work on uh, marine systems and coastal areas. Um, And um, so I was managing and supervising a project that we started in Maharashtra on ecology of sea snakes. And uh, that's when I heard that this uh, program was going to be a part of and Western Ghats is going to be one of the places to be visited. So I jumped on the opportunity and and sort of like volunteered myself to spend time in the forest as well with, uh, with, with, with the group. So it was great. Got it. So that's that's how I that's how I got in touch. But yeah, I have uh, the places that we visited. I'm quite, kind of familiar with some of the sites because uh, in the past I worked there, mm-hmm. at least a few places. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And uh, uh, Emily, what what was kind of your your research? Uh, you sorry, your interest in this in this area of research prior to coming to India? And did you identify this place as like okay, I want to go here and spend some time doing ecological research, or is it something you kind of stumbled into? I uh, definitely stumbled into, um, I'm nev- I still am not quite sure what area of research, I mean, as a social scientist slash human geographer, geographer, sorry, there's so much you can do in so many different areas, um, but it was an opportunity to go to a different continent, a different country, and um, it was not just pitched as sort of conservation, it was pitched as you were learning about how communities interacted uh, and worked within the landscape and conservation. And I really liked that idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Pure science is a bit scary to me, but I really Mm -hmm. like learning about communities and um, how they work and their culture and the more community ties and things like that. So I really Mm -hmm. got interested in that. And we definitely... So sort of of a more like, sort of a more anthropological approach yeah definitely yeah 
Yeah, okay. it was really, yeah, it was an opportunity to go somewhere else and learn a different way of doing things, essentially. Got it. So were you kind of interested in like the idea of like contested land or was it more like nat- natural, natural uh, environments or kind of both? Um, definitely contested land. Um, yeah. I mean, we had begun to learn um, back here about uh, how, you know, pure wilderness is that Western concept and it's not really a thing when you think about history and communities growing up, uh, growing and working within wilderness. Um, and so I was interested in seeing how life was conducted with such wild and diverse um, sort of species and environments, whereas back home it's very much like we live on a farm and we have all these tools where we can very much separate ourselves. I, I live in a city and I see a cockatoo, that's great, but I'd mm-hmm. never see an elephant or a tiger kind of thing. Right. Right, right, right. I think since we last spoke, uh, you know, I, I, it's been it's been kind of a like the the whole dis- discussion around uh, ecology and natural environments in India has kind of come to the forefront a little bit because of actually of what has happened in Goa uh, with the the controversy surrounding the deforestation of Malam, which is a very green area of Goa. So Chetan, I'm just uh, curious, you know, as a as a biological, as a as an ecologist, as a as a researcher and a scientist in this area, uh, you know, what like how you how have you seen your role evolve over the last couple of months, and like how has your work been impacted, if at all, by the COVID nineteen pandemic, and you know, kind of what does this whole space look like in India generally? If you could just talk about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, to begin with, COVID has actually stopped all sort of in terms of work plans and workflows, it has put everything, brought everything to a stop. But what it has also done is uh, open very interesting uh, sort of debates about, you know, the something that the idea that Emily spoke about uh, before about, you know, having these pristine lands. So there have been like a lot of conversations uh, and WhatsApp forwards, you could save and say, okay, nature is now healing herself now that we're not moving around mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, like inhabiting mm-hmm. those areas, which is a very simplistic right. view of how we should really rectify. I, I also feel that it's a little Absolutely. lazy because to just say that, okay, nature will take care Definitely. of itself, like we should not do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Considering that we created those problems to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening with, uh, with within recently is also... Uh, uh, you know, as in from my own personal experience, what I've realized is that uh, I'm a scientist and an ecologist by curiosity, but the tasks that I actually that are actually required uh, to be a successful conservationist requires me to have multiple roles. Uh, like uh, again, you know, coming back to the point of the pure sciences versus the social sciences, uh, and for the longest time, I think the social science aspect was ignored in conservation. Um, right. And uh, everything was about the lives of animals. But as we spoke the last time, you know, conservation is mostly all about dealing with people. So you need expertise mm-hmm. about, you know, dealing with communities. You need to have that kind of tact and that kind of sensitivity mm-hmm. at times, which I feel, uh, you know, yeah. people who are disconnected with uh, this kind of uh, an example are, they're, they're not really, like someone who's been in the city is very passionate about animals, but doesn't really realize how communities live with these animals. As an ecologist, like I mentioned, uh, ecology or ecologists or scientists can play an X role in conservation. But again, conservation means that you have to be sort of donning a lot of hats. 
you know you have to be a social scientist you have to be an ecologist economist you have to be a lawyer you know like so many things so many components to it that uh, yeah, i always look at conservation as a team effort rather than it just being a singular person effort it relates to what emily was saying about human geography and that when we look at these when we look at these you know species and we look at eco- ecological environments we kind of there's a temptation to look at that kind of research as isolated or in a vacuum but it actually especially in india it's so over it's so it's there's such a massive overlap with between that and the actual lives of of human communities and our daily lives have a serious impact on them and certain communities in india are a bit more galvanized in that sense you know because like in goa because of what's happening in molam um the goans as a as a i think goans as a community are very much more um they're kind of more co- conscious about their ecological impact and they've always been a bit protective about the land uh which is why in goa you know just having just been there i i see more don't litter signs and less you know less like small scale pollution i would say i don't know if that's the right word but like i i wouldn't see those things are treated with a bit more responsibility in a place like goa but that obviously changes from place to place yeah and another point i wanted to highlight is that all the successful conservation mm-hmm. uh, actions or events that have taken place in india and also abroad it's been because of uh, sort of mobilizing of the communities by the mm-hmm. community members themselves you know you talk about the chipko movement you talk about all the you know the yeah. the the, right. the uh, right. sort of protests against these large corporations to mine you know mountains it's, it's the it's the communities that live close by have come forth you know i see very because again opinions in the, in city areas yeah. or in urban areas where people are not really related to the land are always divided between someone mm-hmm. would always come up and say you should you also need this you also need that so why should you protest but uh, it's here the issue is about you know social justice if the issue is that the people who are actually going to be affected by a conservation strategy right. or a scheme that should be addressed they just can't be thrown into the wind and said okay what you know conservation is priority and you guys figure it out yourselves so it's that's that's where i find the the idea of conservation is only strong if right. those justice or social justice is actually addressed and a lot of people are focused mm-hmm. on that as well right which is good and you know as as far as being a conservationist in australia uh emily or someone who's at least interested in this area uh kind of i guess my first question is what what kind of takeaways that you have from your time in india that you you know now can apply to your future work in australia and you know what kind of what things stayed with you from your experience um i think it was it's bounces right back off what she just said um we I went to see where he was doing um research on turtles and mm. we were having a drink after I um had a little look around and he just said the hardest bit is honestly addressing the community issues he said he was at a meeting and it was someone airing grievances about something that was completely unrelated but he still had mm. to navigate that and like get it back to the topic of conservation mm. but still do it in in a way that addressed all the issues So yeah the biggest takeaway was that conservation is multifaceted um which i guess you have inklings of in that um but it really put it into perspective there i guess um i mean in australia people's lives are affected by new um new conservation policies and things like that but it's really stark there um mm-hmm. and you really need to address those community issues because you can really affect livelihoods 
Um, And I guess another thing that I took away from it was, and it builds off the same thing, um, getting justice for those who aren't affected, no matter what space you're working in, whether it's workers' rights, transitioning into new anything really, you've got to balance that, like those interests of people who are really getting affected by it. It really becomes about communication and addressing needs and interests. Thinking about something like conservation is a little bit trickier because, you know, it's not like you would necessarily want to promote people from India and Australia constantly flying back and forth because it's kind of just, that's obviously counterintuitive. But I guess I think I, you know, some of the things you guys are saying are very applicable across the board in terms of sensitivity to communities that may already inhabit a land. Like For example, I know that in India, uh, a major concern with a lot of uh, more remote uh, ecological uh, environments is that uh, it maybe not only in- infringes on the species, the non-human species, but also native peoples and Adivasis and and uh, and and tribal and tribal people that may live in that area. And I know in Australia it's a similar it's a similar story with land that is contested because of indigenous populations and Aboriginal populations. So uh, I guess wh- what do you th- what do you what do you guys think is you know is is a way of thinking that can apply for both countries. You know, when we think about things like contested land, you know, is that, do you think that is something that is a space that conservationists and, you know, human geographers and people, anthropologists and social workers, is that, is that something that you think both countries will work together on? And if so, how could they work together on it? I can, I think uh, focusing on the commonalities actually helps Mm. that kind of dialogue. Uh, What India and Australia do have in common is Mm. a similar colonial history. Um, and uh, the the lay of the land itself, you know, very diverse areas, very unique number of species, high in endemicity, all of that. So there is a cultural link, and and the 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 uh, traditional communities that have been in Australia, they the linkages are very similar because they know the land, they know they understand the land in a very different way, uh, and uh, they are very observant about these things. I mean. Uh, something that if you ever spend time with communities, they will make very simple observations like, okay, this tree is not flowering in this month. Uh, and, you know, something like that. There's, there's some kind of, they, that's the mm-hmm. cue for them to understand that okay, the, the weather is changing, the climate is changing, etc. So, um, and it's it's possibly one of the best ways to really predict what's really going on rather than mm-hmm. uh, what we are used to. Uh, so uh, that kind of commonality can be understood well. And I, I think uh, early this year, Australia was ravaged with these mm-hmm. terrifying fires, right? Uh, and uh, uh, I think there was a lot of debate about having uh, indigenous communities be part of the land use discussion. I mean, Emily can, mm-hmm. Emily can highlight on that. Uh, but the fact that, okay, we are relying back on these traditional knowledge systems more in times like this, is, is a good sign in a yeah. way because we acknowledge it. I mean, the first thing, first thing is to acknowledge it and sort of not put mm. them in the other category mm. that they don't know what they're talking about, which mm. sometimes happens. So that kind of commonality, that kind of common discussion is mm. is a place to start with. And having such exchanges is great because for, I mean, for a lot of students like Emily, it was, it's, you're, you're going to a different world, right? You're going to, looking at these animals, they're so different, like, like tigers and elephants and king cobras and something that they can't explain. So you, they take home that and that is also something that they can, you know, the groups can build upon. Now, if I go to Australia and see a kangaroo, that'll be an experience for me. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very similar. Like, okay, some of these experiences itself are good binding yeah. talking points 
to start any kind of like common dialogue. Yeah, and I also think that you get aware of like you get those binding talking uh, points, sorry, and then you realize also how unique and special each of the communities are, and that is almost a binding commonality in a way that you are aware of it and you engage with each community setting, uh, person, whatever, and understand that they are unique and an individual and you need to address those own interests, um, which I've I definitely found, uh, I took away from that. Mm-hmm. When we got to see the King Cobra being caught uh, in the banana plantation, I mean, first of all, we got to see a live King Cobra. That was pretty bonkers. Yeah. Um but it pretty well just showed exactly what they were doing, putting it into practice, like communicating. They were, they told the community that the service was there. They were utilizing it um, to get help a King Cobra instead of killing it. And they were literally talking about us in a sideshow saying that this is, we're trying to rehome, not rehome them, move them into a more safer area so they can coincide together. And we got to go and see that, um, you know, in play, you know, uh, everyone at the Agumbe Centre talking to those members, getting everyone in from a safe distance because, God, those things are scary. <laughs> and then, um, you know, just removing it, relocating it so that it could be safe, people could be safe. Um, that was that was a pretty cool experience. So the King um, Cobra was like it was it had gotten into like a housing colony or something or what? Um, it was just in a banana field. Um, he was oh. just cruising around there and they got the call. It was pretty exciting. Um, I forget the guy's name, but he came over. It was pretty, it was all like, get on the bus. We're going now. Walk this way. Everyone stand here. And then, wow. <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Ajay. The guy's name was Ajay, I think. That's it. Yes. That the so the, the, yeah. guy, the guys yeah. who are called to deal with a situation like this, Chetan, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what, what is their... It, do they what is their background like is it just something that they're is it just like a like a native like familiarity with how to deal with snakes or is it something they're trained they're trained on it's a bit of both um yeah. i mean experience sort of tells you how to handle or uh, if you experience if you're working with snakes for too long you know how to behave around animals mm. and it also entirely depends on the individual snake as well uh King cobras in general, in particular this part of the world, are uh, like these big bosses of their ecosystems. They know no one messes with them. They know that they have no predators to worry about other than their own kind. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of level of, uh, can say, bossiness that uh, very few species get to enjoy. Like, you know, all these large carnivores get to do it. Um, So King cobras fall in the same ambit, the same category. So what happens in Agumbe is at certain times of the year, a snake will either move into someone's house or be seen in the property and uh, because people work there very often they, their first response is to please take the snake away um, and uh, uh, tentatively a king cobra just follow their food which is other snakes so if they are in the neighborhood then the king cobras are there that's the kind of dynamic that's that, that's that's going on in Agumbe. and uh, what is interesting is that the people are themselves quite uh, they're, they're devout towards king cobras they're not they don't freak out because this is god uh, for them, uh, and if you go to if you go to southern Karnataka or central Karnataka, you'll find these snake, these these snake idols, you know, everywhere you go, mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. al- along the highways or in some temples, uh, you know, you'll always have these three four idols along with other gods. Mm-hmm. So it's um it's 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 an important part of culture that way. Um, yeah. And what Ajay has been doing is he's been working there for almost 10, 12 years now, and uh, he's sort of like, uh, interestingly, he's from Maharashtra. 
but he speaks fluent kannada uh, he's been staying there he's he's now the known face like the local household name when it comes to snakes so that kind of rapport is something that you only build if you stay there for that long and uh, ajay's done a really fantastic job with it so which is which is really and it, i wanted uh, i mean it was great that and i mean it was this huge strike of luck as well that you know while they were there and there was yeah. this rescue call where they get to go and see this huge king cobra just kindly like wow. picked up on and like picked up and like put in a bag and we take into a safe place so that was yeah. that was a real wonderful experience you could see so many elements of say your field uh, whatever that happens in field in terms of like mm-hmm. conservation you could see all of those different elements unfolding in front of you which is great mm-hmm. I mean we've said it a million times but it's it's just experiencing a different culture mm-hmm. seeing how conservation works in practice um and not even conservation just how people live and deal with and negotiate nature just understanding that there's different ways of thinking different ways of living and um you can it's it just doesn't have to be how we have it here mm-hmm. um that's the value in it i mean Yeah the science stuff was pretty cool. I liked learning about how you track snakes and stuff. That was amazing. I mean it didn't really hit the spot, but <laughs> it was definitely learning about different ways of thinking, how communities work and seeing conservation mm-hmm. in I don't know, a more I don't know, just a different mm-hmm. way. And do you think you would want to visit and spend time in India again? Oh yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I mean India's amazing. Um I mean I want to visit everywhere, but India definitely struck a chord um i had 10 days after the program that still wasn't enough i mean it's so huge uh, meeting people in goa who ran a um restaurant and they said uh, they were from the north of india and they had a completely different life to like what i'd met in karnataka it was just the diversity there is insane and i you, you just got to experience it you know <laughs>